Realism. Be realistic. Demand the impossible. This famous slogan, which graced the walls of Paris in May 1968, was truly revolutionary in its time, turning every common sense conception of realism on its head. Now artificial, virtual, quote, realities have come to dominate social relations. Life is not so much lived as watched, and anything can be seen with the new technologies. Considering this, it is no surprise that a slogan once so challenging to an entire social order has now become an advertising slogan. The circuses that we are offered with our bread present us with spectacles like none ever seen before. Exotic places, strange creatures with magical powers, fantastic explosions, battles and miracles. All of these are offered for our entertainment, keeping us glued to the spectator seat, our activity limited to occasionally flicking a button not unlike the primary activity in an increasing number of jobs. So, the impossible the society offers us is nothing more than spectacular special effects on a screen, the drug of virtuality numbing us to the misery of the reality that surrounds us, in which possibilities for really living are closing down. If we are to escape this miserable existence, our revolt must be precisely against social, social reality in its totality. That's a real tongue twister. Anyway, um, realism within this context becomes acceptance. Today, when one speaks sincerely of revolution, of striving to overturn the present reality in order to open the possibility of concrete, self-determined human activity and individual freedom, one is being unrealistic, even utopian. But can anything less put an end to the present misery? Increasingly, in the face of the juggernaut that is civilization, our present social reality, I hear many radicals say... It's, not, it's necessary to be realistic. I'll just do what I can in my own life. This is not a declaration of a strong individuality making itself the center of a, of a revolt against the world of domination and alienation, but rather an admission of resignation, a retreat into merely tending one's own garden as the monster lumbers on. The positive projects developed in the name of this sort of realism are nothing more than alternative ways of surviving within the present society. They not only fail to threaten the world of capital and state, they actually ease the pressure on those in power by providing voluntary social services under the guise of creating, quote, counter-institutions. Using the present reality as the place from which they view the world, there are those who cannot help but see the revolutionary destruction of this reality in which we live as impossible, and therefore a dangerous goal, so they resign themselves to maintaining an alternative within the present reality. A more activist form of realism also exists. It is found in a perspective that ignores the totality of the present reality, choosing instead to see only its parts. Thus, the reality of alienation, domination, and exploitation is broken down into categories of oppression, which are viewed separately, such as racism, sexism, environmental destruction, and so on. Although such categorization can be useful for understanding the specifics of how the present social order functions, it usually tends to instead to keep people from observing the whole. It allows the leftist project of developing specializations in specific forms of oppression to move forward, developing ideological methods for explaining these oppressions. This ideological approach separates theory from practice, leading to a further breakdown into issues upon which to act. Equal wages for women. Ugh acceptance of gays into the military, or the Boy Scouts, protection of a particular wetland or patch of forest, on and on goes the endless rounds of demands. 
Once things are broken down to this level, where any analysis of society as a whole has disappeared, one is once again viewing things from a place within the present reality. For the activist realist, also known as the leftist, efficacy is the primary value. Whatever works is good. Thus, emphasis is placed on litigation, legislation, petition to the authorities, negotiation with those who rule us, because these get results. At least if the result one wants is merely the amelioration of one particular problem or the assimilation of a particular group or cause into the present order. But such methods are not effective at all from a revolutionary anarchist perspective because they are grounded in acceptance of the present reality and the perspective that this is what is and so we must use it. And that is the perspective of the logic of submission. A reversal of perspective is necessary to free ourselves from this logic. Such a reversal of perspective requires finding a different place from which to perceive the world, a different position, position from which to act. Rather than starting from the world as it is, one may choose to start from the will to grasp her life as his own. This decision immediately places one into conflict with the present reality, because here the conditions of existence, and thus the choices of how one can live, have already been determined by the ruling order. This has come about because a few people managed to take control of the conditions of everybody's existence, precisely in exchange for bread and circuses, survival graced with a bit of entertainment. Thus, individual revolt needs to arm itself with the analysis of class that expands its critique, awakening a revolutionary perspective. When one also begins to understand the institutional and technological means through which the ruling class maintains, enforces, and expands this control, this perspective takes on a social and Luddite dimension. The logic of submission tells us to be realistic, to limit ourselves to the ever-narrowing possibilities that the present reality offers. But when this reality is, in fact, marching towards death, towards the permanent eclipse of the human spirit and the destruction of the living environment, is it truly realistic to, quote, be realistic? If one loves life, if one wants to expand and flourish, it is absolutely necessary to free desire from the channels to constrain it, to let it flood our minds and hearts with passion that sparks the wildest dreams. Then one must grasp these dreams and from them hone a weapon with which to attack this reality, a passionate, rebellious reason capable of formulating projects aimed at the destruction of that which exists and the realization of our most marvelous desires. For those of us who want to make our lives our own, anything less would be unrealistic.